Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME-CE credit. You are performing a well-child check on a healthy two-year-old male, but his mother has some concerns about how he interacts with other children at daycare. She says he seems very shy. She's worried he may have autism. You ask her to complete a MCHAT screening tool, which is negative. The mother sounds somewhat reassured, but is still very concerned. What can you tell her about this screening tool? What advice do you have to give her about the diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder? Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today is Robert Baldor, Professor and Chairman, Department of Family Medicine at the UMass Medical School, Bay State. Thanks for coming today, Bob. Thanks, Frank. It's good to be back. Well, um, there seems to be conflicting recommendations. The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends universal screening for autism using this tool, but the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force does not. Can you, can you help clarify those things? Yeah, so this is fascinating. This study just came out looking at the uh, accuracy of autism screening in a large pediatric network was done in, um, uh, in uh, Pennsylvania, and part of that was addressing that discrepancy that you're seeing there. So the reason why the Preventive Services Task Force has uh, not recommended this is because there's just not good evidence for uh, the efficacy uh, uh, with this. They said insufficient evidence to recommend screening for children aged 18 to 30 months in whom known concerns have been raised. And if you actually look at the studies around this, there's just not a lot of studies on this. This is a screening test hasn't looked at. So this um, uh, study was done to try and address that void um, uh, 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 a little bit that's, uh, that's out there as there's really limited uh, community level data on the efficacy and so on of doing the, uh, the, uh, the screening. Um, I want to just back up for just a minute, Frank, and talk about autism, if, if I might. Uh, and, and it doesn't surprise me that there's issues with this, because autism, it's a, it's a spectrum uh, disorder. Uh, there are individuals who are severely affected to those who are less severely affected. There are three main um, areas of uh, uh, attributes that go along with this, impaired social interactions. Abnormal behaviors, these tend to be very intense, repetitive types of behaviors that, that people have, and obviously issues with language impairments. And that's a lot of what the MCHAT screening tool does, is, is does an assessment of uh, how a child is interacting in those areas. So we're talking about very young children here and looking at some of these. And lots of times children really don't demonstrate um, sort of uh, deficits in those areas, these that were deficits, but deficiencies, I guess, in those areas uh, until they hit school age, when they're really challenged in a much more uh, different fashion than they are, uh, are, are, are younger. Um, so what this survey did is it actually looked at, um, uh, this is the, uh, within the, this network, there's 31 uh, primary care pediatric uh, sites in uh, Pennsylvania 
in uh, New Jersey. Uh, within that, they administered the uh, MCHAT to well-child visits between 16 and 26 months of age. And what was really uh, neat about that is they used their EHR to remind people to do this electronically, so it was actually done. And they were able to show that you can do this screening test because over 90 percent of the toddlers in the network were actually screened uh, during, that, uh, during that time. However, um, part of the MCHAT is a follow-up. If you have concerns giving it the first time, you should repeat it again uh, at another uh, subsequent visit. And only 47.8% uh, of those uh, uh, were screened um, at the initial uh, 18 to 24 months, and the follow-up was only completed for 40% of those who on the initial one thought that there should be something uh, out there. And as they looked at this, even those that were screened, the positive predictive value was only 9.6% on questionnaires uh, that should have led to follow-up. And for those that actually ended up screening positive with a follow-up, only 14% for positive uh, predictive, uh, predictive value. The sensitivity was around 11%. And so for a screening test, you really want a higher sensitivity uh, as, uh, as part of that. So I really sort of looked at this and saying, wow, we don't really have a good tool screening for autism is basically what this uh, what this says. All right, so you mentioned two terms there. I just want to clarify. The positive predictive value is if you screen positive, what percent of people who screen positive actually have the condition? And you said it was 9 to 14 percent. So that means the vast majority of these are false positives. Like over 80, 85 percent are false positive findings on the initial screening. Is that right? Correct. Wow. And then the sensitivity is how well the tool identifies people with the disease. And, and what was that number? So the sensitivity was 11 percent. 11 percent. So again, yeah, that, that tons that, yeah. of false negatives. It's yeah. missing large swaths of the population. So this does not sound like a great test. Um, so we see patients in our office all the time. Um, what are your recommendations? How do we go about addressing screening for autism spectrum disorder? Is it something we, we should do, or is there, is there a better way? Well, you know, unfortunately, there's not a better way. There's lots of research out there looking for better ways. And I think part of what goes on here, though, is thinking about the fact the severity of this illness, and that uh, for people who have, are, are more severely affected, probably being picked up a little earlier than those who are not. A big push out there, the advocacy around this, Autism Speaks and so on, early intervention and, and, and getting engaged as you, uh, the, the earlier intercede for people, the better the outcomes on the other end. Actually, if you look at the data on that, there aren't any really good control trials and so on that demonstrate that. But what I think is this is still a good tool to use. And I think should you do, the, the U.S. Preventive Service Task Forces just don't do this across the board. It doesn't make sense to do that. But when there are concerns, use it. And so as a screening test to say when there are concerns brought forward by the parent, like in this case, go ahead and use it. And also do the follow-up testing, too. And I think the, and if you have any concerns, of course, go ahead and use this test. But this is a spectrum. These are things that evolve over time. We're talking about very early childhood development. And sometimes what happens is it picks up developmental delays anyways, not autism, but other things that can be there to help uh, help with a child. So I wouldn't give up on, uh, on using it. But part of this is to say to parents, 
if they fail the test, it's okay. We're going to follow this. It doesn't mean he has autism, uh, you know, but or she. Let, let's follow this over time, uh, and we'll continue to do assessments as we go along. There's uh, uh, and, and being aware that maybe this child is at higher risk for a developmental disorder, whether it's autism or not. Uh, but not if it's negative. Also, just to poo-poo it. Again, for children, you have concerns about. But for the normal, well-developing child, it's not worth doing this test and taking up the time of your office staff uh, to do it. Well, it certainly sounds like um, this tool, while not effective for screening the entire population, is a good thing to at least try to use when the pretest probability is high, when either you or the parents have some concerns. Let's say you bring them in for that follow-up and they still test positive. W what do you typically do as a next step? Oh, well, that's, I, that's also right. So then if you have concerns, they failed the test and so on, you really want to go forward a more formal evaluation. Um, usually I try and refer for uh, early intervention. This is for the school systems. They will do uh, more involved screening. Again, this is a screening test. This is not a formal evaluation. So there are lots of formal evaluation tools that, that, can, uh, that can be used. Obviously, a developmental pediatrician can be helpful, but those folks are few and far between, and we don't want to overrun their offices with really questionable or less likely cases uh, as, as, as part of that. But the school systems are definitely a place to go. They're, uh, they're, they have those assessments to see if people will qualify for early intervention. And so more formal assessment is what we're talking about. Well, Bob, um, it helps clarify my thinking on using this tool because I've, I've done it for a while and found it wasn't terribly helpful. It just made me nervous. And uh, this is a great new ap approach on how to, how to help screen high-risk kids um, for autism spectrum disorder. Thanks so much. Thanks, Frank. Pleasure to be here. Practice pointer. Although current autism spectrum disorder screening tools have significant shortcomings, young children should continue to be screened if you or the parent feel that they're at high risk using the MCHAT. And understand, it may miss many children, so please provide a follow-up testing. Join us next time when we discuss transgender patient care in our primary care offices. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com podcast, and see you next week.